All right, college basketball fans, episode 62 coming at you, Mad About Hoops. I'm Timmy Hall. That's Evil Bald Colin. Evil, we're going to welcome on a bracketologist today. Timmy, yeah, it's coming all to the end, man. Like, let's get the last bit of bracketology in, and then let's get the field, and then we can actually talk about games that are on paper in brackets. Who are we having on today? Yeah, so he goes by Jason Carmelo. I believe his at on Twitter is at... Big or way to be prepared wow. at big underdog blog, big underdog blog. But he goes by big <laughs> underdog because his, his name is big underdog dash bracketology. But his uh, his website is big dash underdog. Yeah, don't don't confuse people. You just you don't need to know what the actual like bold lettering thing is. That does you no good. You need the Twitter handle, the thing with the at blah 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 well, blah. Highly, That's what takes you I to highly it. Doubt it's that big many people. underdog blog. Simple. That's I, it. I highly doubt that many people are calling themselves big underdog on Twitter. So you'd be surprised because when I Googled it, there was another big underdog was guy. It really? Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. So when I went to Twitter and I just punched in big underdog blog, it went right to the thing. And it's got like a little blue logo with the brackets. And this guy won the national championship of making brackets. They actually award a national championship for that. So it's like Urban Meyer always said, recruiting rankings, if we're going to keep score at something, the goal is to win, damn it. Dude, and he no, won. I give all the respect. If you can not only nail like where the seat line they're going to be playing, who they're playing, like that all factors into those grades. And the, the fact that you're winning it tells me you're pretty damn accurate at doing it. Ready to do this? Let's do it, man. I can't wait. Let's jump right in. Let's get him on. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Oh! Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it. He hit it. He hit it. Turner. He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Bang. Oh. Oh. Captain in, Jerome! <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! It is. Thank you, Gus. It's Timmy Hall and Evil Bald Colin. We certainly appreciate you guys checking out this podcast, especially this time of the year. If you've got any friends who are diehard college basketball fans, please send them our way and we will do our best to make them feel part of the family. We'll keep them company as we take this journey. It's just a, a long, strange trip throughout the month of March and so much content coming to yeah. all of this just coming so fast this weekend. It is. And we apologize. It, look, Timeliness is tough for a podcast, right? For basketball pods. So we, you know, hopefully you can get this one consumed in a couple of days. We're going to release this here on Wednesday. So this can hopefully be pertinent up until selection Sunday. So without further ado, it's time. Yes, indeed. To get on our first bracketologist on the pod here. All right. Welcome in. We have a guest on this show, Tim. Can you believe that? We finally got one on. We have a guest today. We do. Is that yes. what you're telling me? Yes. Well, we're heading into Selection Sunday, so we have to bring on a bracketologist, and he goes by Jason Carmelo. Jason, how are you doing? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. Jason Carmelo Anthony. Here he is. He goes by Big Underdog Bracketology on Twitter. It's Big Underdog Blog is the at. 
Uh, Jason, I, I want to dive into, and I told you before we got you on, we're going to do team by team. I want to get to Houston because it's my biggest question mark in terms of bracketology this year because they seem like a team that's tricking the metrics a little bit. I see you got them down at a five. They've been on anywhere up to near almost a two at, at parts of this year, especially losing a guy like Marcus Sasser. What do you see in that team? How do you see them seeding right now? Yeah, you, you, you got it on point. So they've tricked and kind of figured out the net rankings. Just for everybody, the net rankings are basically it's an accumulation of metrics or numbers that the NCA uses to seed and evaluate teams. So it would make sense that Gonzaga would be the number one in the net rankings, right? And you have Arizona and Baylor, Kentucky. But then after those four, we see Houston at the five. What's really interesting about Houston at the five is they have one quadrant one win. Now, for followers who don't know what quads are, basically quad one wins are the highest or best wins you can have and the most acceptable losses you can have versus all the way through four being, you know, a win that really doesn't resonate and a loss that you really don't want on your team sheet. So yeah. And again, Jason, with, stop. With, hey, with, Jason, could you yeah. one second explain what that is? Because they switched this up a couple years ago to make differences for home games, neutral site games, and even road games. So where those teams rank that quad one can change based on where it's played, correct? Tim, absolutely correct. Yes. So quad one represents a game against a top 30 team in the net rankings, right? At home, a top 50 game on a neutral court, which you typically see in the, in the non-conference, or a away game in the top 75. So in Ohio State's case, as crazy as it sounds, you know, when you go to Michigan or even sometimes you, you play a game at Rutgers, those can sneak into the quad one because they're on the road, right? You, right. Are, you are granted more points for road wins than home wins. Pretty big window when you talk about 75 teams for true road games. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, really big window. And, and you would think with, that, with the window being that large that Houston would have accumulated more quad one wins being the fifth team in the country. The reality is is Houston has – one quad one win the entire season. They beat Oklahoma State, who's 47, in a neutral game, so barely inside that cut line even. And what's really interesting is is Houston is fifth, and Kansas sits at seventh with 10, with almost an identical record, and 10 quad one wins. And so you look at it and you say, how could this happen? How could this be? The reality is, is the net rankings are heavily weighted on the final score of the game. So if you beat a team and you blow out a team, beat a team by a lot, you acquire many more points. It's the reason it's the reason why Providence, who won the Big East, a really good conference this year, and is 24 and 4, sits at 26 because they've played their 9 and 1 in games decided by two possessions or less. Same thing with Wisconsin, who's got to share the Big 10, they're 24 and 6. They've got 16 quad 1 and 2 wins. They play so many close games. The system, I think, which you've identified, Colin, it's really got to get reworked in the offseason because I think, I think even the NCAA is going to look at this and say, this is a bit on the embarrassing side. After the sandwich between Kentucky and Villanova and Kansas, we've got Houston. I, I, think, I think they're going to have to fix it in the offseason.
All right, Colin. So I know, uh, is that enough to not let you put Houston into the national championship game? Is that what you're they, looking they for? Someone to, to talk you off the ledge? They weren't going to be, but there's also, there's, <laughs> right? I think there's one, there's one other team that when I bring up the idea of net rankings and resumes and computers and all that, it's, it's what they're going to do with Murray state. And I see you have them on the nine line. I go back and I can't stop thinking about that Loyola team last year that was on the eight, nine game, but they were in the top 15 of the net and people thought they could be anywhere from a five to a six. Like, how do you determine? that with a team that while the competition they don't play is as great their metrics say they should be higher team yeah yeah it's really difficult you know murray state's 25 in ken palm they've won yeah literally like 30 and two they their best win and it's a really good win and it looks better by the day is memphis you know they got memphis right in the middle of memphis struggling i mean memphis lost to georgia and tulane at the time in early december so Memphis right now is playing like a top 15 team, but with Murray state, you just, you just don't know. Uh, the reality is I think, you know, I've got them as the, the, the top nine. If one of these teams, a team like TCU loses early or Boise, I think the committee is going to kind of try to sneak them into the seven or eight. So it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams perform because the more you look at Murray state's profile, the more you like uh, they're, they're, they were guard heavy a couple years ago with John Moran, obviously, right? You know, he's one of the best players in the NBA now. This year, they're actually a little more physical. They're one of the best rebounding teams in the country. They're one and done defensively, and they really guard the perimeter. So they've got length. They can guard. They rebound. So it's not a fluke that the 30 and 2, they're really going to scare somebody. Um, you know, it, it'd be really interesting in an 8-9 game to see them play a team like Michigan State. Folks, Jason Carmelo is with us here. He is our guest helping us get ready for the big day on Sunday. For me personally, the best day in sports, and it's kind of connected to those first-round games on Thursday and Friday. You can't have one without the other. You can't have games until you get that bracket reveal. Is it all right if I call you a bracketologist? I feel like that's the that's the term, right? And then there are all the different places you can work as a bracketologist. How, how for one, did you start doing this? Absolutely. Yeah. So about 10, 12 years ago, I found myself trying to crunch numbers. And I grew up, I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, trying to crunch numbers and figure out where Ohio state was going to be seated. And so whether they were on the bubble or kind of safely in, I would just try to figure out how, you know, where they would be seated. And I would take a guess at it. And then it kind of expanded and expanded into grid paper. And at the time, RPI numbers and figuring out where they would be. And it got to the point where then I tried to decide who would get in and who would be left out. And so I was creating all this data and metrics and grabbing it by hand. And then I finally I saw on the internet something called the bracket matrix. And, and what the bracket matrix does is it compiles every, every projection or bracketologist out there on the internet compiles it into one spot. It's a wonderful resource. Hmm. And, it, and it, creates, it creates an aggregate. So, again, you can go to bracket matrix, uh, you know, if you Google it. And so what it does is it compiles everybody. And in 2014, I was fortunate enough to win. And since then, you know, been able to hang in there and provide some, some helpful, helpful uh, projections. And, and it's really been, really been cool. I've tried to create a site and then disseminate the information that, I, that I've got. You know, on my site, I try to provide a seed list every day, not just a seed list, give a little bit of data analysis, you know, near each team. And then I've got a, a bubble matrix that outlines why teams are seated where they are, you know, providing the metrics on there and then weighting each metric based on the, how the committee has weighted them in the past, you know, things like a lot of people have a team like wake forest safely in. And the issue with wake forest is that their non-conference strength of schedule is in the three hundreds. So whenever we go over any analytics today, there's 358 division one basketball teams. 
So with Wake Forest having a non-conference strength of schedule at 330 and only one quad, one win being at Virginia Tech, some of these teams, their record at 22 and 8 sounds really good, but is the depth of wins there for a team like Wake, it's not. And the committee typically penalizes you for a weak non-conference strength of schedule. It's stuff like that that I found really fascinating. Um, so so are, is your background, did you go to school and have a, did you major in mathematics or something in that realm? Because I, I do find it fascinating that there's the basketball side of this where we love to watch these teams. We c- clearly, we still get up for big games, you know, ranked versus ranked, that sort of thing, watching the players that we love. And then I feel like maybe, I don't know, maybe there's been some people that are even more the fan of the stats and the mathematician or the mathematics side of it as much as the hoops side. I don't know, which, was it a blend for you? Because it's pretty cool what we got going on, as you mentioned. And I know where most of the hits come from. It's from Colin's computers, his laptop and his (laughs) desktop. That's who, who goes to the bracket matrix most often. He told me about it about three or four years ago. I just knew about Lenardi for the first seven or eight years. Then my mind was blown that there were so many more, but it's, it's really stunning what's going on here, Jason. Well, uh, Colin, I just want to say thank you for providing half my hits on my website. So, um, no, I, uh, I grew up a son of, uh, my mom and dad were actually both basketball coaches. And wow. so when I was little, both coaches. I was, when I was little, yeah, we were, they actually met coaching. So when I was little, we were watching game and my dad was teaching me kind of a two, three zone instead of watching Disney movies. So we, yes. we got into that pretty early. Um, I don't have a mathematical background. I actually have an architectural background. Um, but, uh, well, you have to I build a bracket, really so it needs architecture too, yes, right? <laughs> that, that's right. You got to make sure it holds, it holds up against Lenardi. So it's, um, it, it's been, it's been a fun ride to kind of go through and, uh, yeah, I, I try to balance watching the games and the analytics. Um, and that's why you can, you can look at, you can look at the numbers, but there is a bit of a scrub at the end of making sure that what you're seeing, you know, resonates through the fi- the final seed line. Jason, I, I kind of want to ask you, and you, you already mentioned Wake Forest, uh, dating this podcast as of right now, uh, Wake Forest is actually down one at the half to Boston College. So surely that would probably put them on the outside looking in if they lose that game. Uh, but I, I just want to take a look at some of these teams in that 11-12 range where obviously you're going to see those last four in, first four out type of teams. And typically when you look across most bracketologies or bracketolog- brackets in general, the first four or the last four in the first four out are pretty similar. But in your opinion, as we start to kind of estimate what this is going to look like on Sunday, what's maybe one surprise you see in that range that could really, you know, raise some eyebrows come Sunday. I think one team that's slowly sneaking back in the conversation is Oklahoma. The committee typically has set a threshold that you need to be four games over 500 to make the tournament. Now, with COVID last year, they let a couple teams in under that threshold, and it's very rare that they do. But that's kind of the unspoken threshold. Oklahoma was down even you know a week and a half ago right at 500. They snuck out three wins in a row, and they had their chance here in Kansas City. They've got their chance at Baylor. If, and it's a tall task, but if they get Baylor – that moves them back up to four games over 500. That gives them, you know, four quad one wins, six quad two uh, wins. And I think Baylor, excuse me, I think Oklahoma really has a chance to sneak in and people, they're really off the radar right now. Well, they're 17 and 14. Yeah. And when you play in a big conference like that, it's what you're seeing with the big 10 with so many teams cramming the list there and even some more bubble teams as well. But for all of our Ohio state listeners, 
What are you seeing with the Buckeyes? If you had to say before they've done anything at the Big Ten tournament, what is their seed? Do they have a chance to improve or fall back here? Right now, Ohio State, I think, would be would be right around that six line. And I think the ceiling for Ohio State would be a five, and the floor would be would be most likely a seven. So I think if they come out and they take care of business against Minnesota or Penn State, they're probably going to end up on the sixth line. If they can somehow find a way to beat Purdue and some other things happen, I think they can get to the five. You know, one interesting thing to hopefully give some comfort as we're watching the games for Ohio State uh, over the weekend is that in the first round of the NCAA tournament, the winning percentage for a five seed is 64%. A six seed is 63%, only 1% difference. And a seven seed is 61%. So between a five seed and a seven seed, there's only 3% winning percentage difference. Now, we all want them to win, right, and get, and get as high as they can. But the ceiling's probably going to be a five. I don't think they're going to be able to get to that four territory to catch a UCLA in Illinois, a Providence, who has, again, the Big East regular season title, or an Arkansas who's won 13 out of 15. I don't think they can quite get to the four line. So five would be, would be about the best they're going to do. And I think the committee is going to evaluate how they're going to keep playing without Kyle Young. And they have not, as we know, since the Nebraska game, they haven't played quite as well, and they really miss him just like they did last year against Oral Roberts. Yeah, you talk about a glue guy, Jason. That's that's certainly the dude for Ohio State that really is a, is a big difference maker on, on both ends of the floor, and especially defensively uh, with versatility. That's what Ohio State's missing. When So you look at, if you have him at the six, then fans would want to know what could that first round matchup look like? Who would the 11s be right now? Your 11s are Memphis, who you mentioned red hot. What have they won? Colin, like 10 out of 11 or something. And they, they just, just beat, beat down Houston. Houston yeah. 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 They've won a ton and they've got the, the stud freshmen that struggled early on. They're just starting to find their way. And you've got Loyola who everyone knows sister Jean and the Loyola Ramblers right now. We just talked to uh the uh, head coach at Bradley high school here, his son, Keaton Norris, sorry, Keaton plays for Wright state. Braden Norris is the point guard for Loyola. They're very good. And then Davidson and Rutgers. So 11s are pretty good basketball teams. What, what, what do you see? You talk about a ceiling for their seed. What do you think Ohio state's ceiling is in the NCAA tournament, depending on who they match up with in the first round, then looking ahead at a possible three seed in the second round. Yeah. So like you said, you know, Memphis is playing phenomenal. Loyola always brings it defensively. That's been their culture. Davidson is a really interesting, unique team because they can really shoot the ball. I mean, Steph Curry be proud. They really, really shoot the ball. Our In guy. terms of, yeah, but they, they, they struggle. They really struggle defensively, even more than Ohio State. In terms of teams with defensive, um, you know, lacking defense, the top 50 of the Ken Palm, only Purdue, Ohio State, and Davidson have a, have a defensive percentage uh, or defensive efficiency over a hundred. So, so if Ohio state were to play Davidson, there's gonna be a lot of points and they're going to get up and down. And then, you know, Rutgers, which Ohio state won't have to deal with a big 10 team early in the, in, in the tournament. I could see, I could see a team like Miami as well. Xavier's really struggled. We played Xavier early in the year, so they'll probably avoid that rematch. They, they try to avoid uh, whenever possible. There's a bunch of mountain West teams circling that, eight to 11 range as well at Boise state, Colorado state and San Diego state. Um, I seem like San Diego state would, would be really tough for uh, Ohio state. They, they've got the best defense in the country in terms of three seeds, right? If, if Ohio state can navigate their way through a win over a Memphis or a Miami or a team like that, in terms of three seeds, you're looking in that Villanova, Texas tech, Tennessee ah. range. 
And, and those, those are pretty good basketball teams. Tech has the second best defense in the country. Nova has Colin Gillespie who's been there for 18 years. Um, so they, they got a lot of experience and they, 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 they've won in March. Tennessee is another top 10 defense uh, who has some really, really good wins, including Kentucky. So the, the path, the path is, is going to be tough, but you know, Ohio state does have some things going for them. I mean, EJ Liddell has been phenomenal. Malachi has been great. Um, one of the biggest things I think for Ohio state moving forward, if they're going to beat a team like Villanova or Texas tech, the X factor, especially with suing being out for the entire year, Justin Arms. So you go back and look at it. Arms was shooting 43% before the long COVID pause around Christmas time, 43% from three. Since that pause, he's down to 32%. And that's really hurt them. He had a couple games before the pause when he, when he made five or more threes. They've got to get him going. He made four against Michigan. That, that'll help. And then the other thing with Ohio State to help them push, because if they advance and they play a team like Texas Tech or Tennessee, they've got to take care of the ball better. And Jamari Wheeler, especially lately, right? We saw it early in the season, and then they got their turnover percentage down in the single digits in the middle of the year. Now it's back up around 20% of their possessions of the last few games have been turnovers, and that's just too many for a fifth-year senior point guard. He's averaging three assists a game. Well, so is E.J. Liddell. And a fifth yeah. point guard with an with a with a second team All American big has got playing thirty minutes a game has got to be able to get the ball to Liddell in a more efficient way. Um, the other thing with Ohio State is they're three hundred and thirtieth out of three fifty eight in forcing turnovers, and so we've seen them struggle to score. Part of the issue is they're not forcing turnovers; they're not getting it out and getting easy baskets. And Wheeler, who had the pedigree of being all all defense Big Ten. I think he's a really key piece, and he's got to be able to contain the guards a little bit better, which we did not see against Maryland and Iowa, and we didn't see against Michigan. Yeah, Evil, he's hitting on a lot of the issues that we've been watching with this team, and I know anytime somebody this stage of the game brings up Justin Arns like that, right? We say, like, <laughs> oh, boy, like we can't rely on that, but how how fitting would it be? Because, you know, Jason, he and I know – that defense is not coming along. It, it's just, it's not coming yeah. along for this basketball team. It's too late to try to fix your issues there. The only thing that you can really hang your hat on in a two game environment in the tournament is if you can get hot shooting, which is why I don't know, Colin, yeah. I think they got to go and try their luck with Justin Arns. Cause Eugene Brown's not giving you that on offense. And he sure as shit's not giving it to you on defense this stage and Arns. It can happen. Cedric Russell, he can make shots. You just you have to roll the dice yeah. and go with those guys. That's the biggest equalizer, man. If you can get guards that can score and then you can get guys that can shoot from outside from distance, that's an equalizer in the tournament, and that's a way you can stay in games, 100%. Uh, Jason, I, I wanted to, and I'm glad you brought up those Mountain West teams. I think you, you have four of them getting in, which is great. It's been a great league. If people haven't been watching it, please tune into the conference tournament because it's going to be a great one. Uh, Colorado State, I've been telling Tim since the beginning of the year, that's a team I love with yeah. David Roddy Jr. Wyoming's good. Isaiah Stevens, good one of my there. favorite guards you mentioned in, Boise in the nation. State. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I wanted to move down to the the, uh, the ones because I'm curious to see how this can shake up with how conference tournaments turn out. So you have two Big 12 teams in there right now with Baylor and Kansas. I'm just kind of curious if either or of an Auburn or a Kentucky wins their SEC championship, and obviously one of those Big 12 teams has to lose, is there a way one of those SEC teams moves up? Absolutely. Yeah, Colin, you're, you're spot on. So I've got Kansas as the last one seed or the fourth one seed right now because, quite frankly, they've earned it. They've got 10, as we talked about, the best of the best, right? 10 quadrant one wins to go along with seven quad two wins. 
And that's second in the country only to Baylor. But you're exactly right, Colin. Auburn, Auburn and Kentucky are right there. Now, Kentucky's profile, although their net ranking is, is 10 and uh, is, is 4, Kentucky's profile is actually better than Auburn's. Now, Auburn has a better overall record, but Auburn, if you kind of think about this, which is crazy, Auburn's second best net ranking win is Loyola, whereas Kentucky has Kansas and Tennessee. So Auburn is 27-4, and four, but they don't have the depth of wins. Uh, I think Duke was right there as well. Their home loss to Carolina pushes them back a little bit. Duke would need a lot of help to get to that one line. Arizona's pretty secure. So if we kind of zoom out and think about it to recap, Gonzaga's locked in as a one. I think Baylor's locked in as a one. They've got 11 quad one wins to go along with seven quad two. So Gonzaga and Baylor have two of the four spots. Arizona really just needs to avoid a bad loss in the first round or two of the Pac-12. So that's three. Everybody's fighting for the fourth one. And I think it's going to end up being either Auburn or Kentucky if Kansas loses in the Big 12. If Kansas go ahead and wins the Big 12 tournament, it's going to be really close. It's going to be hard to keep Kansas out because the Big 12 with the best conference uh, this year in the country. All right, so we've been talking to Jason Carmelo, everybody, and he's the 2014 national champ at making these brackets. So to hell with Joe Lenardi <laughs> and to hell with Mike DeCourse, even though we love that guy. He's great. I know he's been a guest. He's, yeah. he's a fantastic he's dude, good. by the way. Yeah, and uh, Jerry Palm, all those guys can just go screw themselves, <laughs> even though we like him. You can follow this guy at Big Underdog Blog. Uh, easiest way to get to it on Twitter. And uh, the website's Big, what do we call that? The Dash? Big Dash Underdog.com. If you want to go straight to the website, do that. So, f- final thing from me you've got to give me your favorite tip for filling out a bracket. For instance, I used to have push Chris Holtman's team into the second round, and it had hit. It had batted a thousand until the Oral Roberts stunner. So there was that him getting into the second round, at least what's one thing for you. And uh, the other thing I was going to ask, would you take the four one seeds that you have right now or the field to win the national championship? Well, my website's big underdog. So I'll take the field, right? Um, (laughs) I'll always pull for that. I'll always pull for that. I think the one tip is you're filling out the brackets is since 2000, only four of the 80 final four teams had an offensive or defensive efficiency greater than 50. Okay. So that seems like a lot, but it's, but if you find yourself and you want to know what that means, you can head to Ken Palm, Google Ken Palm. But basically if you can find, go ahead and go to Ken Palm and take a look at just Mm -hmm. some of the numbers. But basically if you got a team that can play some offense and some defense, they've got a chance at the final four. Again, that's an Achilles heel for Ohio state. It's the teams outside of those, right. That's weighted in either offense or defense is good. And the other one's bad. They're just not going to make the final four because over a four game stretch, someone's going to find that weakness and expose it. So a lot of those teams can make it. Obviously you've got to get a couple of 12 fives. If Ohio state gets to the five, don't pick against that one. Right. But you got to get some 12 fives in there. Um, and then, you, you know, you got to look at some of the teams. Who did they beat this year? And, and can, they, can they win two or three games in a row? It's going to be really interesting to see if a team like Providence, who has had a horseshoe all year, right? They won so many close games. In March, it restarts, right? We saw Ohio State win a ton of close games last year. And unfortunately, Oral Roberts got him in overtime. So all of that 
all of that luck sometimes that happens early in the year, it all, it all starts over. So top 50 in both is what you said, right? Is what you uh, had the stats top 50 in? in both. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you're over, if you're over in one of those, it's really, really yeah. difficult to make it. Um, because it's just, again, you're going to, you're going to play good teams and they are in, in good coaches and they are going to expose it. You know, in terms of dark horses, when you look at those efficiencies, some of the teams that are dangerous, if I just kind of throw them out here, Seton Hall. So Seton Hall is actually the opposite of Providence. They've lost out of their nine losses, seven have been by two points or less. So they're right on the cusp of being fantastic. And their metrics are right around that, you know, 25 to 30 to 40, 50 range. They're there. So Seton Hall can be very quietly be dangerous. Um, and if you kind of zoom out and think about, you know, who are the, who are the really big Cinderella stories that can happen? Vermont. What makes Vermont really interesting, and they play in the American East semis tonight, so because we're recording this, they'll probably get Love beat over Vermont, the next though. <laughs> Go Catamounts. But Love what, Vermont. But what's interesting about Vermont is the 26-5 and five grade. They won 21-22 and 22 against their conference. Sure. They're the fifth-best shooting team in the country. Okay. But what's really interesting is they're the best defensive rebounding team in the country. So in a tournament game, if a team, let's say they're a 14 seed and a three seed, a team like Texas Tech or Tennessee, who doesn't always shoot the ball well, either of those teams, if they, if they come out and they don't start to shoot the ball well, it's going to be one and done. Vermont's going to clean up the boards. And then that game pressure, as we saw last year with Ohio State, that game pressure builds. And when it builds, it gets, it gets really nerve-wracking for the, for the teams down the stretch. Vermont could be dangerous. Um, you, know, you don't really want to draw Iona because they got Patino coaching. And then North Texas also has a top 20 defense and they really guard the perimeter so they can shut the water, water off defensively Uh, North Texas, depending on where they are. And they could, they could get to an 11 line. That would be a tough draw for Ohio state. They really guard, they really guard the perimeter um, and don't allow a lot of open threes. Yeah, Jason, my final question, you kind of led me into it, but I'll avoid the 14s for this because everybody seems to want to take those 12s and 13s. They, they fall in love with them. There's a few that you have listed right now that I love. I love North Texas. I, South Dakota State and how they played against North Dakota State the other yeah. night was great. Uh, I also, Chattanooga, what a great team, especially with our guy Sylvia D'Souza yeah. on that team. Malachi Smith. Uh, Toledo. also Captain very, Stool? Yeah. Sylvia? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, uh, Toledo here in the MAC. if they win the MAC championship, they've got a really, really tough squad with, I believe, three guys averaging over 15 points a game. And those two brackets there with the 12 and 13, which is your favorite that, you know, if a fan's looking for somebody to try to pick in those upset spots, who would you want? Well, you mentioned Toledo. And they've got, I mean, offensively, they're, they're top 30. Like you said, they, they can really score the ball, and they never turn the ball over. So that, that allows them to stay in every game. It's all, it's all about possessions, and it's about getting shots, and, and they can do that. Toledo, Toledo's fantastic. Um, I, I think, you know, Iona has a similar roster to last year. They lost to Alabama in the 215 game. And then this year down in Florida in the non-con, Patino went out, and, and got Bama this year. They get Kansas a game for a while as well. You know, the 13 seeds are going to be that they're going to be no, no gimmies. But I, I, I think Toledo and Mac schools, right. We saw Ohio last year, Mac schools can really play, you know, every other year, two out of three years, you're seeing a Mac school win a tournament game. All right, my man. So I think one thing that you solidified and I was already going to do this myself is Purdue is not going to advance very far from me because <laughs> they don't defend. They have the number one offense yeah. in the country, but they don't defend. So I'm going to, I'm going to try that. 
top 50 in both. I'm looking at guys that fit the parameters. Memphis is a team that sneaks in right there with the way they're playing. Wisconsin is a team. If you're looking for big tens because the way they defend, not so much Iowa because not as good defense right there, but fascinating stuff. Evil, we did it. We had a bracketologist on the podcast. No, it's great. It's great to get that perspective, man. And I know we'll stay in touch because there's so many great conversations, not even just the rest of the season, but even when you start getting around feast week and December or whatnot, starting to take an early look, it's never too early to talk bracketology. That's right. Well, thank you both so much for having me. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And that was Jason Carmelo, Big Underdog Blog. That's where you can go on Twitter. It'll take you right to his website. And I like the layout too, CB. It's very you, simple. Yeah, it's simple. Very it's easy, easy to, to follow. Understand. He actually, you know, he just starts it off with the ones, right? So it's not like the full bracket style view. And it's actually less scrolling than some of the other sites. So I can just go in order from top team in the country in terms of seed line, Gonzaga's the number one overall seed, right? So they appear first in his little grouping of one seeds, and then it just goes right down one, two, three, four, five, all the way to 16, and then he's got his last four in, first four out, next four out. So it's really cool. You should check it out. And I it's think that's helpful, nice. he's too. Also, he's also got the net rankings, because I always catch myself having to pull up the website from the NCAA.com yeah, yeah, separate and then site. cross-reference it. He's just giving it to you right there. Why separate site? Why separate site? No, you don't have to do that here. So, yeah, I'm solidified. As I as I said there, the, the tips were helpful. You always want to have a couple of rules of thumb with you know how far you put teams into the field. I also found it interesting that I got a guy there to say, his own top four teams. And it, I also, it's not like he's putting his own teams up there. He's a bracketologist. He's sticking to his script, right? He's sticking to what he knows and how they select this field. So he, he did say Kansas has earned it, but I think he meant Kansas has earned it based on the metrics that I use and what I've seen and what they go for here. But he did pick the field. You know, hence the name of his website. <laughs> so, and I, I kind of agree with Which that. Which I think you have to do. I kind of agree with that. It's we've talked about this. At, You're telling the me station. I can get Auburn, Kentucky, right, Duke, right, yeah, Villanova, Villanova, Texas UCLA, Tech, like Illinois feels like a team. Uh, yeah, one hundred. Arkansas, the field. yeah, UConn. I, I know we haven't talked much UConn, but and that's a team. They're I a top wish thirty-five team in both metrics. About. I would have loved it because I have been going back and forth on Villanova and UConn in this Big East tournament for the past five days, and I can't decide who I want. I eventually I took UConn. I, eventually I took UConn to you win took it. You took yeah. UConn. I think in ours, I took UConn, but I feel, man, it's just Villanova's so, so good in that tournament. And what I've also learned is I saw Fox Hoops post on their uh, social that the 17-18 Villanova team is the last team within the last decade to have won their conference tournament and then won the national championship. Man, that's outstanding. So uh, what, what are you going to do before Selection Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch as much as I can. Just kind of get a feel of it. Um, oh, really? You're going to watch basketball? Yeah, you know, you know, just the simple stuff. Uh, but no, it's especially during the day. I've got my ESPN Plus subscription rolling on my laptop the entire day. Uh, you're going to write that off for taxes? <laughs> We have to get that on next year's taxes. Too uh, late. Yeah, Too late for 2022. Say, I was about to say I already finished all or 21. Of that. Yeah. Uh, but no, I I will definitely get my blank 
bracket ready, and then I'll take my notes as I fill it out with the CBS guys so that I can kind of be thinking in real time, you know, what is my strategy? What am I thinking of in terms of who's going to come out of each little section? And basically, it's kind of almost like a homework assignment, but it's a fun version. Are you trying to get to some games this weekend? You've got... Ooh, You've got Big um, Ten tournament just a couple two and a half hours west. You've got the MAC, which say what you will about you know it being a one bid league is once that again. Home sites or is that in no? It's up at Rocket Mortgage, man. Rocket Mortgage. They switched up the format. Shame on you. Only eight teams get in to the MAC, which I don't know how I feel. And I, I did have a I did have one big you know strong take I wanted to make before the podcast is up about small conference venues. And I saw a little bit of this with with Wright State. And uh, by the way, gonna gonna put head coach Brett Norris. By the way, who, what a comeback! Yeah, it, it, seriously, down sixteen, great comeback. And if and if you're interested in uh, just cool sidebar March Madness stories, we're gonna have a separate podcast for this one because we don't want we don't want to jam two interviews down your throat in one pod. I talked to Brett Norris, who's the head coach at Bradley High School. And he has two sons that are dancing that play for mid-majors. So if you talk about mid-major flavor, there's a dad that's just been, I'm sure the emotions have hit, have just been hitting him like never before. He already saw his son Braden go to a sweet 16 last year in the pandemic tournament. Now Loyola's back in where he's got Braden Norris running point and Keaton Norris plays about 26 minutes a game as a freshman for Right state. And you, like you said, what a comeback. But my thing on that, I want most most mid-major tournaments need to be on home sites. Atmosphere is I'm way okay. better. Okay you that. can get a great fight like at the Bryant-Wagner game. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But the environments are much better. Indiana Farmers Coliseum was so-so for the semifinals. And there are a lot of empty seats there. You have that at the Nutter Center. Yeah, or I just higher like- seeds, they earn it. You give incentive for the regular season champs. So you put something on that. That way you have a little bit of an edge to win the conference tournament, which is all the eggs are in that basket. So you pretty you do in a little bit. You diminish the regular season in the mid-major leagues because – they don't have the at-large bids like we do in in high major college basketball. So that's my thing. Like no, when I, I was a student at Weber you. State, we had it that way in the Big Sky, and I think the Big Sky and a lot of other leagues too still do it that way. If you get the one seed, you're hosting all the way to the championship game. If you get there, no, I was I was distracted. I was looking at uh, no, Lenar- you're good. Lenardi's latest update, and he actually has Wright State and uh, Loyola Chicago in the same in the Midwest. Oh, did he actually update his effing pot his? Uh, Website he's, he's today? Been, he's been doing it every morning recently. No, he went he went two days in March. <laughs> there was a, I think it was March 2nd or something, and it hadn't been done since February 28th. Well, Unacceptable. He, he's been doing it this week from what I've noticed. But um, no, he's got Loyola and Wright State in the uh, Midwest region. Wow. But no, just to go back to your point, I 100% agree. This should be campus sites. It's hard to ask these small fan bases to make traveling arrangements to go all the way over to Indianapolis. I mean, it's just... It works for some conferences. I think the summit did really well because you ended up getting North and South Dakota State playing each other and the historic Sanford Pentagon, which is a great facility up there in Sioux Falls. Um, some conferences can do it, but I think the majority of them, like a Horizon League, needs to keep it based off of uh, home sites. So, again, like we could we could go to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse for some Mac, for some Sincere Carry action. Oh my gosh, man! Or we if could you, go west for Big me, Ten tournament. If you give me Kent State versus Toledo, I would be very interested in that. Even if it's OU and 
in Toledo. OU's probably going to wake up, get hot, and win this thing now. Ah, man. I had Kent State After this After taking their lumps. I had Kent State this morning. I eventually went back to Toledo, but I do think Kent State will continue their hot streak. Oh, you're, uh, you're wishy-washy, huh? I, on your picks? See, I... I Flippy floppity? I buy it by it's hard to beat a team three times in a season thing, and Kent State's already beaten t- Toledo twice. I flipped it because I trust the depth that Toledo has versus what Kent State's going to bring to the table. I think they rely a little bit too much on sincere carry on the offensive side of the ball, but you know, it's still be it's going to be a great tournament, even if you're not even looking at those top three, because a team like Buffalo has a a guy that was in the player of the year conversation. So there's in Akron, we saw Akron the first game of the year. It's gonna be a fun tournament. Bracket breakdown on Monday, correct? Can't wait. I mean, we could even do a space of Sunday night for all I care. We can do we could do something on S- Sunday something. night. We could uh, we could post some video up and and hop on Zoom on Sunday night. But look for the podcast on Monday. Uh, as soon as you're done with your show, there we'll hit the booth and we'll get all the reaction to the path. You know, we'll do Ohio State. We'll check out some of the other big Ohio teams and the popular teams in the tourney and lay it all out. I can't believe it, man. Selection Sunday. Man, it's it's going by fast. Go. Enjoy every single night because there's something going on every single night that maybe you don't realize. All right, everybody. Check us out next time on Mad About Hoops.